this is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend Sam. And uh, today is our second episode in our series on uh, racism, anti-racism, whiteness, white fragility, and so on. And so Sam and I just finished reading the book White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Race, written by Robin DiAngelo. It's a book, it's written by a white person for other whites, and it explores the counterproductive reactions white people have when their assumptions about race are challenged and how these reactions maintain racial inequality. And so the symptoms of white fragility are characterized by emotions like anger, fear, and guilt, and by behaviors including argumentation and silence. And so these behaviors, the author argues, uh, function to reinstate white racial equilibrium and prevent any meaningful cross-racial dialogue. So Sam... How did you enjoy the book? I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, as in from a psychology perspective, I just found it really fascinating. The sort of the hidden reasons behind why people react the way they do. And mm. it's not like they're intending to things. And it's just like the massive chasm that you suddenly open up in people's minds as to between how good they are as a person to what they think. And they just can't accept like the sudden sort of mm. mirror on their own personality and kind of run away from it. It's just, I think, the mm. whole point of the book. And yeah, it's really interesting. It felt a bit like uh, elephants in the brainish, right? Yeah, yeah, elephant in the brainish, but um, confronting you on like one aspect that's actually really important that you can effectively do something about, but like most people choose to run away from because it's like too big a thing at once. And mm. I, I think we'll go mm. more into it and I'll yeah. think of some examples of the good ways to deal with that sort of stuff, I think, later. I agree. It was a very confronting book for me as well. because So uh, the behaviors that she says that uh, function to reinstate this, this white superiority are argumentation and silence. And I've definitely have been guilty of <laughs> being argumentative when it comes to racism and systemic racism, etc. So this book quite a few times held up a mirror in front of my face and made me realize that I'm white and fragile. Mm. And this white fragility definitely, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a part of it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Good. So let's, let's discuss. Yes. So I think some of the, we need to get some points out of the way because uh, I think one core fundamental concept that the author defines is racism itself. Mm. And so she says that racism is not the widely held belief that racism is only perpetuated by individual people in individual situations that show prejudice towards a person of color. So racism is not racial prejudice. So she argues that racism is a far-reaching system that functions independently from the intentions or self-images of individual actors. It develops when a racial group's collective prejudice is backed by the power of legal authority and institutional control. And so it's a narrative that I've heard quite a lot where racism is actually prejudice combined with power. And if, there's, if, it's not, if those two things are not combined, you cannot really speak of racism is something that I think we also saw in the book why I no longer talk to white people about race. Mm. Yeah, it's a deeper thing and you can kind of always wrap your head around that you sort of mm -hmm. think very much about the individual cases, but it's 
sort of systemic in society mm -hmm. and, and you get to the examples of like back from when like black people were slaves and like they just had no rights at all to slowly getting more and more rights but then still being like segregated as to whether they're on like buses and if they could in a eat in a restaurant and these kind of things and being able to vote these things sort of slowly got like peeled back one by one but then there's still lots of things that don't promote people it was always like white people at the top that had the power mm. sort of and and then like even just going into neighborhoods like people are like oh yeah great so it's fine to have people i'm not racist like they can be in our country but like maybe not in my neighborhood as such it kind of brings down the tone mm. and, and these things that just sort of still last and take a long time to change and it mm -hmm. needs to be put in the systems to actually mm -hmm. make it sort of completely even yes a few examples that uh, the author gives about white fragility is first that's quite a common one where a man assist, uh, insists that white people are being discriminated against because of affirmative action. So that's uh, a common reaction that you see. And that's actually also one that I heard quite a lot from, from more of the, the, the right side of politics. Uh, where people mm. are complaining that it's becoming harder for white people yeah, to yeah. find jobs, etc. Well, I think she gives a nice example, which is kind of similar, of this teacher that um, was complaining about his kids, or like, was trying to like, sort of, yeah, teach them a lesson or something. And she just referred to this girl as, as girl, and like, mm. girl, why are you doing this? And then the one girl just like broke down into tears and took it really badly because she'd been like treated badly generally like from her race before. And she kind of thought it was like a race mm. thing. And the teacher was like, oh, what? I'm not racist. I couldn't, she couldn't like deal with that at all and just thought like people were being like overly sensitive about their race when sure, maybe she uses girl mm. all the time to talk to people, but she should think about her language, even if it's not a racist term, if it could be sort of used as a sort of racist term in other contexts for people who maybe speak to the rest of the girls as normal people, but had spoken to that girl as girl. And so she sort of would have felt that she had been put down. And it's like, yeah. It's a confusing situation when you think people are being like overly sensitive to race when perhaps it actually is a relevant thing to be thinking about and it's not such mm -hmm. a overly sensitive term as you realize. Well, I haven't explained yeah. that quite correctly, but you know what I mean? Is it, mm -hmm. People often like don't give time to those things because they think it's just like too much. And yeah, you should. Sure. And then a final example I think is very relevant today is where people are saying in reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement, they're saying all lives matter, mm. not only Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it's for her an example of this white fragility that is actually at the basis of some of the systemic problems surrounding racism and people of different races living together yeah, in one yeah. society. Because you notice, you don't really notice the injustices when you haven't got any injustice towards you on race. And so you feel mm -hmm. that like, oh, race isn't a problem in my life so it's not really a problem in other people's lives you don't really notice that like it is actually affecting other people as such and mm -hmm. it kind of goes against your sort of beliefs that because as a human your psychology is to think that like you um attribute your success in life to your skills and abilities so you don't think that oh i've done so well because i'm white you think it's because you're great and the things that go wrong you, you can like easily blame and see like oh someone else did this and stuff and so mm. obviously if you're black, like you don't, <laughs> you can see where like, because you're black, it's caused you a problem and mm -hmm. you notice that. But like, I obviously don't ever notice the problems that come up in my life because of my color, because like, these problems don't come up. And so I think that I'm successful because I'm great, but I don't recognize the actual benefits that I've had so much. And mm -hmm. so it's hard for us to really sort of come to terms with these things. And it's a bit of a, it kind of confronts our personality of what we, who we think we are and why we are this way. And so we actually need to accept these things, which is 
hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's actually it's, it's a common fallacy for people to attribute when someone else does something bad, they usually attribute it to the person instead of situation. Yeah, exactly. And when they do something bad, they do the order way around. So they attribute it to mm. their situation instead of th- them being bad. And it could be, I, I, haven't stood, um, I haven't realized it yet, but indeed it could be a, a manifestation that's manifesting itself in, in, in this situation. Yeah, yeah. So you think like maybe the person like had a reason to not get to their success other than like other because of it like a fundamental part of their personality and then yeah basically i'm just gonna stop talking about that you can get it out because i'm basically just saying the same thing as you <laughs> so in the last episode i asked you if you considered yourself racist yeah what would your answer be after reading this book yeah as in like i think i said <laughs> being white and fragile i was like i'm i'm not actively racist <laughs> but i'm also not anti-racist i haven't done like <laughs> super things with Pato, like I haven't called up on people as in she gives examples of herself like how she tries to come across anti-racist and these things and I certainly haven't like confronted white people in in ways that sort of distress them and actually like hold up the mirror to them exactly because mm-hmm. I feel like people who are like actively actively racist I I don't give them time and sometimes might actually say something not always but in terms of when people aren't realizing that they're being racist and they're doing things by accident and perhaps like putting people down so like we just discussed of just not recognizing the problems that are being caused i haven't called people up on that to sort of show them what they've done wrong like i maybe have even done some of that myself as well it's hard to know Mm -hmm. Uh, because you don't notice these things at the time the whole point is that the fallacy of like not realizing what you're doing and so to claim that i would know that when i've been doing these things would be a lie because that would be silly Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I would say in that sense, I have been racist. And mm-hmm. I hope that reading these books is going gonna, is gonna to change me. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest insight I got from reading this book is actually more around the concept of, of, of racism and being racist. Because she argues that uh, one of the problems today is that racism is seen around the good-bad binary. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So if you, if you say something racist, that makes you a racist. And if you're racist, you're a bad person. And she says that that's one of well, the biggest issues that there are these days because she says that if you're right and you live in a multicolored or cultured society, you cannot not be racist. So you're always racist and you always yeah. do racist things. Exactly. Just a yes, exactly. That's why I would say I'm racist because I'm agreeing with what she said in the book rather than the other term. And, and I think that's that's a very important insight for a lot of people that mm. a lot of people haven't had because if you accuse anyone of being racist, they're going to be extremely offended or saying something racist. Yeah, or even saying that you are a racist is coming across strange because of, yeah. yeah, even just saying it sounds like I'm trying to say that I hate black people. It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to say that I understand and I'm better than the average white person. But it's still a exactly. using my white producer so, coming out in all sorts of colors. <laughs> yeah. And so in, in the last episode, I think I said that there could be made a case why I would be considered racist. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've shifted even further where I'm, I, 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 I dare to admit that I am racist, have been racist and will probably be racist, racist in the future because actually, actually I will always be racist my whole life. Um, yeah. And because what she also argues is that, yeah, exactly. So being racist is a continuum. And so uh, the author herself, and I think she's gone a pretty long way into trying to be as least racist yeah, as yeah. possible and so it's there is no zero mm. so basically it's like a continuum and you you get you get further and further down mm. this continuum where you realize more and more it's sort of like 
path. Sorry, kind of like the Buddhist path to enlightenment or something. Then you, you exactly. kind of just keep on going yeah. further and further down the trail, or like understanding human traits. Like we all have narcissism within us. You just, mm -hmm. you get better and better at being less narcissistic, and it's just like a fundamental part of being a human. And if you're born white mm -hmm. in white society, it's just part of what you are. But you can become less and less by working on it and talking to people about mm -hmm. it, and <laughs> always recognizing any opportunities you have to be better. Uh, yeah, we just hope people are going to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely perfect. No, I think I think that's that's that was my biggest insight. Where I'm now dare to admit that I am racist and I do racist things, mm. but realizing it and admitting it is the first step to working on it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's I think what a lot of people have. Like they're they're saying I'm not racist because if I'm racist, I'm bad, and I know I'm not a bad person. And so I cannot. I don't have to change anything about me because I'm not racist. Yeah. Um, and so the, the first step, I think, is, is realizing that you are racist in, in things that you do and, mm. and starting to, to, to work on that. Yeah, 100%, which is the hardest thing to like acknowledge. And mm. I mean, it's still always going to be hard to just like acknowledge these little things that is kind of maybe part mm. of your personality to sort of fundamentally say, hey, this is a bad thing. You need to stop this. And But would you be able to maybe perhaps give some examples of where you think that you are a racist to sort of explain? Because of... It's lovely that two white guys have appeared on a podcast to ex exclaim the fact that they perhaps are racist, mm -hmm. but we should go into this so people can understand a bit more rather than like us just sort of throwing our hands up being, hey, we've made mistakes. It's more like, okay, what are the things that yeah. people can learn from this and why, what might they be doing that's racist as well? And there's an example that the book covers, which is what like opened our eyes in the first place. Hence why yeah. we're doing this podcast. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's go into like examples. I think for me, <clears throat> I've I've been very prejudiced towards people with. There's two types of people that I'm I'm, I'm very uh, careful about when encountering in traffic. Yeah. Uh, one of them is is in general a black people. So and and this is me spe speaking from experience. So I bike around in Brussels. Yeah. Uh, Brussels is a very multicultural city. We have a lot of black people, but we also have a lot of, of North African people mm. um, and Turkish people. And so when I drive around and I see a black person, I, from experience, have noticed that they. And the word I'm, I'm going to use is, is, I don't know if, if it translates the same in English, it's called nonchalant. Yeah. And so they drive a little bit, little bit uh, more careless. And so they, I've noticed that these, these black people, if they see the drive, they tend to drive a bit like, off the, off the, like to the wrong side yeah. of the lines and stuff. And so as a, as a person on a bike, I have to be pretty careful for these situations. And so that's one way in which I'm, I'm negatively prejudiced towards people of a different skin color. And then there's young North African men driving a Mercedes, a BMW, or an Audi. Yeah. And actually, the, these cars are usually taxis. And they, they are not the one, because the black people I talked about earlier, they drive like normal speeds or even uh, slower than usual, actually. So they're not that unsafe. Uh, but then these, these guys that I just mentioned, the, the, the younger North African guys, they drive super fast, like yeah. super fast and super dangerous. And I'm, I'm always angry when I, when I see these people like whooshing mm. by. Anyway. Um, <laughs> not sure how that's racist. Well, as in, it's in your mind, but I'm not sure how that's like coming out and like affecting other people as such. Yeah. I'm also not sure what Hannah must be thinking about this right now, who, <laughs> who came and gave us a lot of feedback on our last mm. episode. Of like, you shouldn't say that. What are you doing? <laughs> feel like, yeah. feel like, what are you doing? <laughs> These people are idiot drivers. <laughs> Yeah, I think, but I think it's, it's an unfair assumption. Uh, yeah. Generalization. Yeah. I mean, I certainly seen plenty of young people who are dickheads driving cars um, yes. and old people also, and all types of people. Yeah, <laughs> I just exactly. noticed it. 
more yeah. with young people. I haven't noticed it as much about young black people as such. But yeah, it's interesting. As in, it's hard to say. Then you definitely, in the same way that you don't notice too much, but just as the way society is, you if you go to like like a club or something, you ex. I I'm, I don't remember the last time a white person was like in the cloakroom taking like your sort of your bags and stuff. It's hmm. like it's kind of always black, but you we kind of notice these things, and hmm. you just sort of accept them. And in the same way, like society, you sort of expect that there's going to be more kind of homeless people and things like that that are perhaps of color and stuff. And you, but I'm not sure how what to do about those things as such. So if that means I'm racist, where hmm. I was thinking more of the examples in the book where she talks about people maybe trying to help but being condescending towards black people and not thinking about how they've explained things or like, I think mm-hmm. the movie that won like awards kind of for being anti-racist that Sandra Bullock was in with the with who she, she like adopts this guy who's going to college and he's like a rugby player but like they portray him as like this gentle stupid giant who can't really get <laughs> yeah. his grades yeah he can like run fast with a ball and like knock people over and they basically sort of paint this picture of him being like a bit of a dumb idiot mm. and that like he needs white people to get him out of his problems and at one point he goes back to like where he comes from and like the white lady that's looking after him has to come and save him before he gets like something goes wrong with the kids in the street that he's with and mm. um like he can't he doesn't even understand the rules of the game until like they like they find like his iq has got some kind of like empathy score and he likes to be kind to people which doesn't even exist and uh-huh. so, well, so to explain the rules, they basically then go like, well, imagine like the little kids in our family are like, are going to get beaten by this, like, is like the guy that throws the ball and like someone's going to like come and like squish this little kid. Like you just have to stop the little kid getting squished. And so he just becomes this like juggernaut of a beast, like stopping people from ever like touching this. I, I don't mm-hmm. do football. The guy that throws the <laughs> line back. <kind> of. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, they teach him the rules in a stupid way that makes him sound like he's an idiot. And Mm-hmm. This film like wins awards for racism because of all the white people love it. It's like, oh yeah, like black people are amazing. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> systemic in our society and like things like that. Like, I mean, I watched it and I personally found it a bit weird to be honest. Like, but I think I was just more just not so interested in the way that I didn't. I found Sandra Bullock more annoying than I used to find her. I'm not sure that I noticed mm-hmm. it more the racist parts of it. I thought it was like <laughs> an okay story, but just not as brilliantly told as it could have been. But things like that realize that it sort of break people down. Yeah. Don't you think that seeing the movie is actually, and not realizing how racist it actually is, yeah, exactly. is an example of the racism? Yeah, yeah, that's, a, I think that's what I meant. Is. A, a, an example of, of my personal racism is in my previous job, there was, so I was a developer and we were in a team of, of, of six other developers and one of them was black. Looking back, I think I've, like everyone, uh, every one of them did some some great things, you know, where you make something, you you make some code which works perfectly and and it works fine, and I think I think I was most surprised that the black guy was writing d- decent code, basically. I think, and I think that is the tr- a true example of me being racist. I'm not sure if it was, I think, because I met him and he did, he just comes across a bit scatty and like. <laughs> like a personality and he sort of sounds like he's not taking things seriously and then you're like oh you've done something neat and organized what? <laughs> but, yeah well it, that might also be a reflection of your racism you know yeah 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 maybe i'm just picking up on these things like yeah it's it's hard to tell exactly that's why it's yeah. 
nuances of things are confusing. Uh-huh. Um, she she gives like some other examples that she goes a lot into like f- white women for tri- fr- fragility and how that causes mm. some really big problems. So it's in, in like history of things like women often like they only need to sort of make the mildest complaint about a black person sort of disrespecting them and like they can end up getting lynched in, in history. And she gives an example of someone who had been abused and she wasn't sure who it was. And so she, she blamed on a black man. Like the two guys both got like hanged within the day by everyone else, even though it turns out they weren't even the people that had done it. And mm. just people kind of blaming the wrong things. And then like more recently, it's like much less harsh, but I think she was talking, she was in this group for like job seekers or something. And this guy had been not like the brightest or something. And he said like, oh, I'm never going to do very well. And then oh, it was a very confusing example, this one. It was, I can't remember if she then said like, well, I think that's the society saying that you can't learn and like partly because of your color and like actually you can do well and stuff. But then I think someone else then like chimed in and was like, yeah, no, you're going to be fine. Like it's just people being racist. But then I can't remember how this worked, but then the lady was being racist who was trying to help him, but she was saying like kind, gentle words of like, you're not that stupid, but somehow, but I still didn't quite understand it. But anyway, the lady that wrote the book then sort of confronted her and says, actually, I think what you just said is kind of racist and this isn't like a thing at all on that front. And then this woman just breaks down crying and causes like a big chaos because she couldn't handle the fact that she'd been told that she'd been racist. And then this mm. guy was just mm-hmm. sitting there like with no one even paying attention to him anymore or the fact that like <laughs> all of this chaos has happened because of his race and whether he's stupid or not. And then the woman's mm. getting all the attention and couldn't deal with these problems. But I couldn't quite mm. remember the exact like, nuances of how it even started. So it's not been the best example, but yeah. Yeah. It, I think this, this um, goes well into the next example where basically the author makes part of like an, an anti-racist organization, which is a lot of colored and non-colored people. And I think after some events that happens with br- uh, police brutality towards black people, she organizes like after lunch, like a moment to get together and to, you know, support each other because they were all very mm. influenced and, and they were all very saddened by what had happened. And so when she told that to a black person that we're gonna, they were going to do that, the black person, the black woman, I think told her like, okay, I want to join but only if there's no white women crying. And so when I first heard that, I was like, uh, I, I couldn't grasp like why this was such a big deal because I felt like it's just someone showing their emotions in support of the suffering that you as a people do. So I didn't see it as being that bad. Mm. And we can go into why um, I think empathy is a, is a big factor in, in this whole discussion. But this specifically, so there's a few reasons why white people's or white women's tears are so sensitive to black people. And that is first, as you said, like there's a lot of, there's been a lot of cases where some horrible injustice has been done following white women's tears. Mm. You know, examples where a white woman accuses a black boy, 14 year old boy of flirting with her and her husband and, and brother-in-law or something, then killing the, little, the, the boy, lynching the boy. And they've never been held to any justice. And so she later said that it was actually not true. So that's a horrible, horrible example. And the second is, so that's, that's one issue with white women's series. It brings up these, these stories. And the second issue is the fact that white women pull the, the attention towards them. And I think this is the, the, the example that you give where, you know, there is some racism shown towards a person. And then the person that 
shows the racism actually gets offended when they get told they're racist. And then suddenly the whole dynamic shifts and all the attention is onto their person and not, not anymore on, on the racism. And so I think mm. people of color have, have, have problems yeah. with, you know, white people again, being the center of attention and being the one that are hurt, et cetera, while they are the ones that have to endure this mm. racism throughout. Yeah, it's basically centuries. like a fundamental human reaction to when something comes up where you're being told you're racist or something that, sort of clashes with what you think you are as a person you sort of you're either gonna like fight it or sort of flee and react badly so it's kind of the thing that some women do not not all white women Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. it just happens quite often where people then Mm -hmm. sort of start crying and then so it just makes it a much more taboo subject to try and broach and it's like our fragility but still i mean men react as well badly to it she's given examples of people that then didn't want to work with her because they couldn't deal with these things but she has more examples of women I think there was one where they were like a school review board or something. And this woman was making a complaint about a woman who happened to be black, who just had like stolen her parking space or something. And she gave an impression of what this woman had done, but she sort of said it in like a, using like a black voice. And she basically, the author then sort of wanted to point out that like, it was a valid point that she made about like someone shouldn't be doing that, but you shouldn't have, but it, it had racist undertones and it didn't need to have them at all. And she just tried to explain that in a very light, sort of nice way. And she went out of her way to be like, I'm not saying that you're racist at all, mm. just saying that that could come across in a bad way and that you should have done this in like a more effective way and just sort of stuck to like the main facts of that this person did this thing and they said this specific words. You didn't need to sort of put in this like voice or sort of downplay like their like mental abilities or anything. And then the woman then just started crying and like refused to accept it and like just left the group and just refused to sort of come back and be a part of the board at all. And then lots of people mm. complained to her who had, as the author, who'd sort of complained about this woman saying that you shouldn't have been so mean to her. And like, she was like, well, I'm just trying to sort of help her and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of confusing. People don't really know how to confront these things. Mm-hmm. Can we react badly? Nope. I think of some examples she gave with, with men. Well, one final example I'd like to address, and I think it's, it is one of the, 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 the realizations I made, is the following. So she works for a certain company, and she and two of her other management staff, so she and two black women, hired a web designer mm. to help them with their website. And so the web designer was also a black woman. And so in the beginning of the meeting, the, the web designer who was going to help them uh, gave them a survey to fill in. But the author was quite, well, she didn't see the need of the survey. So she, she quite like, quickly dismissed it as not being very relevant to the meeting that they were having. And then afterwards, during the meeting, they were talking about some other company that they were helping where one of the men expressed or seemed like they were scared of the hair of one of her colleagues. Mm. So the, the, one of the colleagues was a black woman and one of the white men was uh, afraid of their of 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 her hair and so the author uh robin was joking it was like some kind of inside joke with her colleague um about her hair which was well black uh which was the black person's hair and that had frightened or had been too scary for for some white fragile fragile man and so afterwards the web designer which she didn't know for a long time before that meeting she she heard actually that that web designer had been offended by her and so she was offended by two things. So first, she found the comment about the hair racist. And then second, she found her dismissing the survey 
survey also quite mm. quite racist because she has had so much trouble being seen as intelligent by white people throughout her career and so having her survey that she actually made being dismissed so easily was was painful to her and so when i heard that reaction so when i heard that i was like especially about the the hair the hair issue right i i had a hard time if i had been in this that situation i would have had a hard time saying sorry to the the web designer for making a quote unquote racist joke racist inside joke with one, one of my colleagues being one of the foremost anti-racist people in the country basically mm. yes and it's hard to talk about these things as a joke and like actually sort of repair them and almost heal these things when like they're sensitive topics if you know what i mean it's hard to make it not a topic and so it's hard for white people to sort of say the word black or to sort of feel like on the same level. So they prefer to just like run away from talking about these things. And if you don't know like what words you can say and like you're a bit sensitive and you're unsure about what you might end up getting into. So you prefer to just not engage at all. And it's a concerning topic to be involved in. So it's easier to just not, which is sort of racist in itself, even though you're concerned about not coming across racist, you come across racist by just like not to be, <laughs> which is a weird and confusing one. Yeah. So it, one of the issues I have with this whole concept is I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that when someone is offended, there's a person, person who said something offensive um, well, who said something and that the other person who perceives that thing to be offensive. Right. And I have the impression that today, if you're saying something, you have to think about, okay, what is the worst way this could be interpreted? Yeah. And I think I would prefer a shift towards if you hear something. What is the best? You, exactly. Mm. So you don't have to, like people who hear something, they think, okay, this is potentially offensive. So that person has offended me instead of thinking, okay, what is the best way that if this could have been meant? Yeah. yeah. As. And so I'm I'm still not I'm still not sure if I agree with the author because I, I've told the whole story about a black person be offended by two things that the the author did and she actually super empathically uh, apologized to that woman mm. like I, I was amazed with her empathy and I think um, this is one of the things that uh, puts people on different places on the spectrum when talking about racism and it's their level of empathy like how well are you or how how good are you at placing yourself in someone else's shoes and imagining what whatever you do could be perceived uh, for someone in their situation and i'm personally um, not very empathic and so i i i think i always have a difficult time being so advanced on, on that perspective definitely like yeah i'm not sure where i stand on on that so on one side i really agree with the statement that it's so annoying and you know when you're talking to some people and they just always take things in the best way and it's just so easy and refreshing <laughs> to work with them <laughs> then other people that always just notice the slightest possible way that it could be like concerning their ego or being taken personally and you're like jesus christ i've just tried to send a text about what we're doing tomorrow why have you taken this personally it does mm -hmm. I, it has nothing to do with you i'm just saying what needs to be what's going on and it's so frustrating mm -hmm. and it'd be lovely if people did take things positively but also i think it is a lesson every time that happens that you could be better with your words and mm -hmm. i think it's like it's a mix of, of all of these things that <laughs> need to happen yes. realistically right. and you can take ownership of yourself basically and notice that this frustrates you and 
try and take everything positively yourself and you get these things mm-hmm. and try and notice sort of mm-hmm. how it could be good and kind of assume that and like give them the benefit of the doubt when you're applying don't cry shelly oh well, did you mean it this way rather than like oh my god did you mean it that way because <laughs> in like the bad way you sort of just kind of assume the best but like explore that maybe it could be worse and just check mm-hmm. if you're unsure with what mm-hmm. they've sent and mm-hmm. so maybe add clarification of what you're saying i actually i realized this uh while we're, while we're reading the stoic texts yeah I was uh this 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 was something like the like if you're offended it's it's your choice in a way to yeah, be offended exactly um it's it's like you can't choose what other people say and do you can only choose how you react to it and so there i i, I felt about this but then yeah. yeah then again i think there's still some work to be done as the offender anyway as well and i think um, i'm i'm often on on that side of the of the equation 100% yeah so i was thinking it's it certainly does sort of relate as well in type of a path we're passing the book in the book about like Buddhism is in you're the only person that annoys yourself. And I think mm. part of the, cause she, she talks in the book about how she's changed the way that she tries to help people not be racist. Cause like I gave the example of in that meeting where she sort of picked up that lady who'd spoken about the black lady and done her voice. And she said like, that's not the way that she challenges people anymore because it doesn't actually mm. get a useful reaction. The person just like doesn't confront it at all and just runs away and it just sort of makes everyone annoyed and doesn't help the cause and like these when you fundamentally challenge someone's personality it's too deep a thing for them to be able to deal with in the moment so you don't actually give them an option they don't have the insight to sort of sit there and and deal with that emotion they kind of run away from it and it really related to me when i did my vipassana of like you have to take the 10 days to sort of deeply introspect in your mind and you they, they call it like a delicate surgery where like all of the person bad things come out of you and you need to like spend time like really fundamentally grasping these concepts within yourself to actually like deal with it properly and you can't do that in a quick conversation with a bunch of people around you judging you you just can't stand in a room full of people and be told that you're racist and like just sit there and be like oh yeah cool i'm a racist like it just doesn't work you need to mm-hmm. have like the time to kind of do the surgery on yourself and sort of slowly like work that path. And uh, yeah, so I think more it's in like letting people find the path themselves by reading books mm-hmm. and giving them like a hint of, sort of how to word things better and or, or reading things that maybe aren't even directly on racism, like sort of how to not be re- nonviolent communication and these kind of things are just how to be a better person in general. It, it helps people like slowly take that path if they're not going to go and do something major. So I think that's a very interesting thing because we've spoken about ourselves being racist because we don't pick people up in it. But like this lady is sort of showing that you can really make a mess if you do pick people up in it in the wrong way. So mm-hmm. it is kind of learning ourselves how to like do it in the, in the best way. And I think one overwhelming thing that's sort of been hitting me is, as a biologist and psychologist is that it is like we are kind of all just people and it would work the other way around in terms of if the way the world had developed had come from like Africa as the center of power. Like this is a hundred percent a fact that the world would be racist towards white people and it would be black fragility right now in the same way that mm. like the Stanford prison experiment shows that people just sort of take power. It doesn't matter what, what color you are, or like you're the Nazis. And if you were in Germany at the time, you probably would be a Nazi kind of thing. Mm. as in Mm -hmm. it's not a question of color of why it's happening but it happens to be this way and so yeah it is white people's responsibility to deal with it and i think like we got picked up on 
for maybe making a bit of a reference towards black people as animals last episode but as a biologist i just think of all humans as animals because we are and like that's how we've evolved and like our skin mm-hmm. color is like a very very tiny variation in like a person like in like our actual core code and like our brains are pretty much exactly the same and the way we respond to things it's just society is what affects your environment in a massive way and that's evolved in a way that has made the white people a racist so it's sort of it's a thing that fundamentally comes down to like a human concept and if you could do like a psychology study where you just took like a thousand black people and you somehow made some with power because they got like an earring or something and other people not and like the same thing would happen and it's yeah it's just interesting to think of it and reading it from like a sort of just a completely step back from a hu- from whatever point you are in this and just to think of it as like a human level perspective i found it kind of fascinating and then realizing that your own part in it as a white person is that you actually have to take more steps and like i wouldn't be so sure how to deal with this as a as a black person in terms of how to broach these subjects with people because it's interesting because i mean i've been i've tried talking to my own black friends who haven't wanted to come across condescending or annoying and be overly complaining it's a it's a very hard topic to broach but very useful which we sort of um already spoken about the fact that it's hard to confront people with it or like even say the word black as a white person and you just prefer to, to run away so mm-hmm. yeah i spoke I've said lots of things and gone in circles and feel like maybe that helps <laughs> all right good thanks should we wrap up this episode with a short rating and most important yeah insights? i'm gonna say eight kiss it made me think and talk about things and learn something about the way brains work i think i've just been overrating all the books though so i kind of want mm. to rate it lower but i don't want to rate mm. it lower than the way i've rated the other books now so i feel like <laughs> this weird hole of like rating things wrong <laughs> yeah and my white fragility doesn't want to give it a low rating because of <laughs> i don't want to be seen as not thinking about these things when actually i thought it was great mm-hmm. and it has made me realize my fragility and all this stuff so mm-hmm. many components going into this rating that I don't think should be affecting the um, <laughs> blank rating. All right. And uh, what's your biggest uh, insight that you got from the book? I, I think definitely the, well, it's kind of like a linked insight of how like humans just don't deal with being with confrontation to what their personality is. So like just holding mm. a mirror up to someone isn't an easy way. And like, which links into sort of, the Buddhism of realizing how to be a good person takes a very sensitive, long process. And you can't just confront people directly with it, which sort of goes to all people, but then linking that to the fact that we just really don't realize the things that we're doing wrong when it comes to race and how much confrontation there is inside my own personality and all white people to realize the things that they're doing. Uh, so it's kind of like a broad sort of two in one there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that <is> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. So for me, I'm going to rate it an eight. I found it again a pretty easy to listen to, although I found it less easy to listen to than the previous book, which is mm-hmm. uh, why I no longer talk to white people about race. But I did get some more profound insights, especially on the personal level. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was like holding a mirror in front of me mm-hmm. and and seeing my own racism, biases, ego, etc. And so, yeah, so my my biggest insights are, are first that racism is not on like the 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 good bad binary, so it's like a continuum. 
you can be racist without being a bad person. And also then I, I add some insights on the, on, the, on the spectrum of how empathy influences how you stand towards these issues. So yeah, these are the biggest takeaways. And I would actually, I think it's a very good book for everyone to read if, if this interests you, especially if you live in the US, because I think it's it's more applicable to, to Americans than to, yeah. Yeah, than to mm. yeah, Western Europeans. Yeah, I think it's important to note that I think we did one of our down ratings of the last book, why I'm not talking to white people about race, was that it didn't provide all the solutions. And I think it's important to note that actually, like a book can't do everything. And this is like a huge mm. topic. And like, mm. if we wanted to read about psychology, we, you know, we've read various books on psychology, not expecting that one will like explain everything. Or mm. we've read many books on philosophy, not expecting that one will like provide enlightenment, that we'll find many different ways and nuances in it. And it's the same with racism. It's like, you can't expect one book to do it all. And there's just yeah. very many different interesting aspects that all roll into it. And you need to read various books to actually get it from different angles and get a good perspective if you want to be like not racist you can't just read one book and be like cool i read the book that's great <laughs> like you really need to do a lot more and um, i think it's really helped open my eyes to the power of how many other things there probably are to go into on this um, <laughs> fully agree fully agree so in the next book we're going to discuss how to be an anti-racist and i hope there we'll get some solutions for the, the questions and, and the, the issues that have been raised with the previous books. But I fully agree. Um, there's not one book who's going to be explaining like what racism is, how we are racist, uh, and then also start giving all the solutions that we need. So I think it's going to be... As we explained this book, many books that we've read previously linked into how we understood it better, like mm. books about Buddhism, books about Stoicism and, and psychology and like all these things. So it's like a very deep topic that kind of transcends a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah evolution <laughs> all these things yes so good so. great book <laughs> read great more book. <laughs> <laughs> yes all right nice. i think that rounds up the episode thank you for listening and uh see you next week cheers Ciao. thank you for listening to our podcast as you know we are doing this to try and help you get smarter well i have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app, listen to the same things at the same time, or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favourite bits, and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial, and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people, and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favor and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com. And I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, 
feel free to reach out to us through the website wiserpod.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning and ideally keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico and the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you.